Go. Welcome to Cinescape Magazine Movie Reviews. I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. All right. This week, we are doing Jojo Rabbit. Take it away, Johnny. <laughs> I guess we should plan this out ahead of time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> read that. Read the. Maybe if that, we had a fucking. Uh, roll that beautiful bean uh, footage. <laughs> a regular goddamn intro like we've been doing. <laughs> Jojo is a lonely German boy who discovers that his single mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. Aided by only aided only by his imaginary friend Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism as World War II continues to rage on. This is our movie review of Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, starring Roman Griffin Davis, Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen, Sam Rockwell, and Scarlett Johansson. And Stephen Merchant. He's the tall German. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, first I would like to talk on the point of the stupidity of racism, which this film nails big time. That's the biggest selling point of this film, is how much fun it makes of racism when it comes to the the treatment of Jews from from the Germans uh, from German you know from not from the Reich right it, and the first thing I love about this film is that it it points the finger at racism and just shows how stupid it is and this movie gets very playful with it and 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 I I love the fact that that Taika Waititi has the balls to to make. A, a a what would you call this? A comedy about a satirical. It's it's a satire, right? It's a satire about a kid going through what he's going through, and 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 it's it, it makes sense in such a cool way. And the cool way that it makes sense is this kid, he's, he has these beliefs because of what he's been, you know, the propaganda and everything that's been pushed on him as, as being a German kid that, you know, he believes he has to follow something. And so he follows this and he's dealing with the death of his sister. F follows what? Um, following, you know, Nazism, right? He wants to be a soldier, you know, for, for Hitler's army. And so he joins the youth corps, um, the Nazi youth corps, whatever they call it for, um, <laughs> for, so he can be a part of something. And, and I, well, actually, I think it was mandatory. I, I, I don't think this was explained. This wasn't explained in the movie. I think it was just, you know, it, people that know about World War II, I think that because this was, this is set near the end. Hitler Youth Training Camp. Yeah. This was set near the end of, of the Reich, um, right before the Allies invaded. And I believe that Germany was using everyone they could use to, to keep fighting, including children by that point. So, so they're they're having these they're they're you know all their all their their adult soldiers are, are dying off you know around Europe and so now they've got to they have all these kids they're training these kids which I, I know I'm laughing about it but that's what's great about this movie is that like in real life and if you're watching a documentary this is sad and tragic but the way this film does it 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 makes fun of it because of how. Like it does it from the child's perspective where, you know, they don't, they're not constantly seeing the horror of it because everyone that lives in Germany, they're, they're like, there's like this facade, right? You know, they're these perfect, they're the perfect, you know, race and all this stuff. And, and everything's going fine and don't believe all the, the hype, you know, the Germany is fine. Everything's going to be okay. And, and, and so, you know, this kid, he, he, um, he's dealing with these tragedies in his life. You know, his father's never come back. You know, he thinks he's just serving. His sister just died recently from influenza and, and now he's, you know, and so he has this imaginary friend Hitler <laughs> played by Taika Waititi that, that, um, you know, pretty much guides him through his, his problems that he's going through or, he, you know, and, and so what is, what is great about the movie is that it just, it, it, what would I say? It, it, it makes it so that I hate it when I get lost in thought. I really fucking do. So yeah, it has him dealing with 
what he's dealing with right now in Germany from his perspective. So this whole entire film, we're following his character, you know, and and so <laughs> his fantasies are what keeps him going. And that it seems like everyone's in this fantasy world in this film for the most part, except for Scarlett Johansson's character played by, you know, our, who plays his mother, who plays Jojo's mother. She, you know, she seems to be the most grounded character in the entire film. She's not, she, she has, I think she's the one who has the least amount of a facade going on with her character. And so she, and she's just trying to maintain balance between being a single parent. And then also, you know, with this kid who's hiding up this and Frank pretty much that's hiding up in the, in the, in, you know, upstairs in the, in their house and, and everything. And, and so the, the serious tone of this film is very light and it only comes in fits. And that's, that's one of the cool things about it is I remember that after seeing the film, I was going to try to find things I didn't like about the movie. And one of them, I, I one of the things I didn't like about the film at first, or what I, you know, when I was trying to find shit, was that the contrast between going from com- comedic to serious, how drastic it, it would do that, you know, because there's like th- four scenes in the film where it does that. But when I started thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. No, it's genius because because this kid, Jojo, he's in this He's in this fantasy world the entire film, you know, this is his coping mechanism by using Hitler as an imaginary friend and and things like that. And every once in a while, something serious happens in front of him and it shakes him out of his fantasy world. And then, then eventually he goes back into it again. So I was going to complain about how it just, it felt, uh, it was like kind of uncomfortable at first, you know, to, to see it just jump from funny to serious like that. And then, but no, and then thinking back, it makes sense and it actually works. It's, it, it's the genius in the writing by, by, you know, Taika Waititi who adapted this from um, a lady named Christine Lunin's 2004 novel called uh, Caging Skies, which this novel doesn't, I don't believe it has the comedic content to it. I don't even think it has the imaginary Hitler in there. I think it's just about the family, you know, the, the kid's mother who's in the Hitler youth camp and, and the mother hiding the Jewish child upstairs in their house. That That's like the similarities with it before uh, Taika adapted this film or, you know, into a screenplay. That's what I like about how the contrast, thinking back on how genius the writing is with this film, is that is that it, it's, it, in a way, it's kind of symbolic of how we are in society, you know, how we live in our all, oh, we all live in our own forms of fantasy worlds here and there. So this kid is like, in a way, no different. It's just extreme on the, on the big screen when he's got someone like Hitler, you know, dancing around him and giving him pep talks and stuff, and then downplaying the Jews and, and things like that. You know, and then speaking of the characters, you know, Taika Waititi as Hitler is is hilarious. You can tell that he is having so much fun playing this character. And he said in an interview, why would you, you know, someone asked him, why would you, you know, pick to play Hitler? And he goes, well, I, I couldn't think of a better fuck you to Hitler than by playing him, by me being half Jewish and and playing, you know, playing Hitler in this satirical way. And he's right. You know, the the, the one of the best ways you can downplay um, such a horrifying figure in history is by making fun of him. And he, he totally makes fun of him. It's great. You know, it's like, I always want to have a, an imaginary Hitler friend <laughs> tagging along. You have other characters in the film as, as well. You have Sam Rockwell, who is great. God damn, dude, this guy is great in everything he does. And here's just another one. Like last year, we saw him play, you know, Bush in, in, in Vice, right? And he was great in that. And then this year, he plays this character, this Nazi, um, you know, he's not a general, he's like a lieutenant or whatever. 
and he keeps getting demoted because you find out throughout the film, hey, spoiler alerts on all this, but you know, you find out that his character's gay and that he's not as violent as as he he puts on airs about in front of everybody. And, and so, you know, he's got this character actually has some heart to himself. And so he he'll do little things here and there to, you know, kind of help things along for Jojo and, and stuff like that. But Rockwell's great. And then, and then, then, you know, uh, Alfie Allen, you know, um, Theo uh, Greyjoy, is it Theon? Uh, Theon Greyjoy from uh, Game of Thrones. He plays great as well because he barely has any lines in the entire film, but yet just the way that he hovers around Rockwell's character and the looks on his face and things like that is just great. I, I, Sometimes you just don't even need to hear Alfie Allen talk. You just watch the stupid looks on his face and then it's great enough. Rebel Wilson, she's one of those actresses that if you give her good material to work with, she excels with it. She's she's very funny. She kind of reminds me of a more extreme version of Melissa McCarthy, you know, where you give her good stuff and she does really good with it. You give her crap and she tries to do the best she can with it and she can only sell it so far. In this movie, she had a good character, she had good material, and she was great. I I, I wanted I wanted to see more of her character. And that's what you know, that's what it boils down to is when you play a character so good that you keep wanting to see them come back, you know, keep reoccurring in the film, that's when it's a great character. When you have Actors like Stephen Merchant, who, you know, is extremely tall. He played that albino guy. I can't remember his name for the life of me right now, but in Logan, he played the, you know, tall guy that was with Patrick Stewart's character. He, in this one, you know, he plays the head of uh, the Gestapo. And <laughs> that scene where it's constantly doing the Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil, and they keep, and, oh my God, it just, it's great. It's just great because of how just dumb it is. And it, it's weird to think about, like, if you were alive in that time period, if you could try to imagine it, you know, it wouldn't be nothing like that. It would be so, the way it's been portrayed forever in documentaries and everything, it's super serious, right? But to see it in this film, it's just like, it almost feels like people are just doing it because they're supposed to do it. And they've been trained for so long about, you know, the evil of the Jews and all this stuff. And, and that boils into the character. Oh God, I can't remember her name, but she was the one who was hiding up in the attic. She, her character is actually very smart because she does not. Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah. So she played Elsa. She doesn't like just fight Jojo about his racism because she understands what he's going through to a point that he's been fed this crap over and over again. So instead, she kind of plays into it. So when he's writing this book where he's trying to understand the Jews and it's all this negative stuff about them being from demons and stuff like that, and she plays into it with him and it, it kind of eases him in. It makes him more open to suggestion and, and understanding over time and so that a relationship builds between them. It's really good. It's endearing and it works. But what works the most in this film for me is just the humor, just the 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 running through of, of, of multiple scenes where Jojo's just dealing with stuff with either Hitler tagging along or he's dealing with his little buddy friend who who reminded me of Piggy from from Lord of the Flies uh, with the glasses, you know, his little fat friend. And just just all the dumb little sight gags that happen in this film, like with the knife bouncing off the tree and hit him in the leg or when the grenade gets thrown and, or, and that bounces off the tree as well or... Uh, Oh God, what else? Oh, like when the, the fat kid, he, um, you know, he sees near the end where he sees, he sees Jojo and he drops the, the back end of the, 
of the missile, the rocket launcher, and it fires into the (laughs) building. And yeah, just all that stuff, man. It had me giggling the entire film. I'm laughing my ass off and I just loved it. It it was the characters and the humor kept me going for the entire thing. The musical score. This is weird. It was while we were watching the film, I loved the musical score, the original score by Michael Giacchino, and then also the, um, the various artists they had in there, like Tom Waits, David Bowie, even the Beatles. They had like a German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. They had a German version of, of Heroes, which I know Heroes has been overplayed to death. But it, the German version fit in this film, especially when I found out that that song is about two lovers on either side of the Berlin Wall. I did not know that. Tom Waits and all the other various artists, their songs that, that pop into the film here and there, they also add this fun to it. And Giacchino's score, I went back and I listened to it, and it it's very playful. And it's got a lot of flutes in there, and it feels cartoonish at times. It totally adds into the movie. Like, like I, I have this horrible memory where I forget things right after I've seen them, I, right after I've said them. It's almost like I have short-term memory, like a pothead or something. And it, it, and this is what sucks about being a movie reviewer is that I'll forget most of a movie after I've seen it. But with this movie, when I started, when I went back and I listened to Giacchino's original score for this film, it brought me right back into the film. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot how good this sounded when we were watching it. And it's really, really good. It's it, like I said, it's very playful. It's cartoonish times. And, you know, when I listened, when I perused through it, I could tell when there were certain times when Hitler was showing up and doing his goofy shtick and all this, all the things like that. Also, I wanted to talk really quickly about the critics on this film. Not about, you know, like their yeses and nos. My problem with the critics on this film is that they're all applauding the the character, you know, the actor performances and stuff, but they think that, you know, the subject matter is too, you know, it's it's inappropriate to make so much fun of of Nazi, you know, of Nazis and stuff like that. You're not supposed to lighten Nazi type, uh, you know, storytelling or whatever. And to them, I say, fuck you. Stop being a pussy and watch the movie for what it is. Stop trying to label it with all of this PC, weird, trendy SJW crap that that's going on now. Instead, see this movie for what it is. It, it is it is fun. It's hilarious. It's feel good. And I do not regret seeing this at all. This is one of the best films of the year. It is definitely the best comedy of the year. And I, th- I, if, I don't think I can think of anything else to say about it. I just, I love this movie. Everything was great about it. Every, the cinematography, everything it was fun. It was great. I loved it. I was reading some of the stuff on Wikipedia and talking about the critics. And I'm glad you brought that up. So Variety's Owen Gleiberman said, The film creates the illusion of danger while playing it safe. Really? Danger while playing it safe. The fact that he's outside chasing a butterfly and he turns and he stands up and his mother is hanging next to his head. Yeah. That's not playing it safe. fucking feet touched his face. And it lacks the courage of its own conventionality. It's a feel-good movie, all right, but one that uses the fake danger of defanged black comedy. What? (laughs) Oh, man, I might start losing respect for Owen Gleiberman. To leave us feeling good about the fact that we're above a feel-good movie. I I don't know. Try to understand. I'm trying to understand it as well. I don't know what that means. The leaves us feeling good about the fact that we're above a feel-good movie. Uh, I don't know if he's throwing sarcasm at the audience. I don't know. I, and then Eric Cole gave it a C. Despite a few flashes of tragedy, Jojo Rabbit lingers in a charming muddle of good vibes without really confronting their implications. It's a child that joins the Hitler Youth Program at the end of the war 
and they have a guy played by Sam Rockwell, yeah. the commandant or commander, or, uh, hold on a second, we'll find out, Captain, Captain Klenzendorf, okay? Yeah. So you have Captain, you, you have him playing a captain, yeah. and as he's talking to the Hitler youth, he's being sarcastic about the whole thing yeah. in the fact that he has to train children to kill people and have sex to continue having children. Yeah. So we're going to teach the women to cook and clean and have babies. Yeah. And and and, and he's he's like shaking his head like this is fucking garbage. This is nonsense. Yeah. You know. And we'll teach all the boys to shoot and do all this other stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. The women to be nurses as well. Yeah. And if you can't understand the deeper meaning of just that one scene, you need to resign as a critic immediately. Yeah. Definitely. This is not a few flashes of tragedy. This whole movie is a tragic movie with a few flashes of comedy. And it lingers in, okay, uh, without really confronting their implications. He is a parentless child living in Germany when Berlin gets bombed by the Allies. Yeah. And now it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, separated into East and West Germany. Yeah, and people are being executed for being Nazis. Yeah, that's at the end of the fucking movie. Yeah. You have kids walking around with weapons because they're all that's left. Yeah, and that's how he deals with it. The fantasy world. It, you know what? Yeah, it's and, that, and that's that's yeah. exactly. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Fuck. This is a better version of Sucker Punch. <laughs> Remember how her character goes into the, fantasy world uh, to deal with the shit she's going through? It's a shitty movie. Sucker Punch is fucking horrible. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's a bad analogy, but yeah, okay. Sucker Punch could have been done good like this, and it wasn't. Uh, I don't know about many World War II comedy tragedies. <laughs> Sucker Punch is not one of them, but I understand where you're going. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about someone using the trauma they're going through and going to a fantasy world to deal with it. Yeah, in this case, yeah. he reduces the underlying circumstances, you know, that Holocaust thing to a superficial prop. He doesn't even talk about the fucking Holocaust. And it's not a superficial prop because it's the end of the war. Yeah, and I doubt the kid knows about that. I don't. I doubt most of the regular German citizens knew about the actual Holocaust happening. Yeah, it, on top of that, this is from the perspective of a child living in middle class in Germany with his mother and not having to worry about anything in his life other than, you know, going into the woods and camping. Yeah. You know, being part of the Hitler Youth. Yeah. And then, you know, the the grenade explodes and he gets injured and his mother demands that the, the, the captain take care of him. Yeah. Because he's ultimately responsible for all this shit. Anyways, yeah. if you can't understand the basic premise of this movie that it's from the perspective of a child. Yeah. And everything that he's going through, you're an awful critic. It seems like a lot of these critics that are, are saying these things about the film, they're either really stupid or and or they're afraid to give a real opinion uh, because they don't want to say they enjoy a movie that's playing lightly with 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 Nazism. New York Times, the, the particulars of the evil can seem curiously abstract and the portrayal of goodness can feel a bit false and forced. The outlandishness of anti-Semitism is emphasized. The idea that Jews have horns, for instance, to the exclusion of its less superstitious manifestations, and Elsa's Jewishness is has no real content. She exists mainly as a teaching moment for Johann. Her plight is a chance for him to prove his bravery. 
What is she supposed to get, do a Jewish rite of passage with him or some shit? Yeah, what, what, what does that what does that mean? Keith Ulick of Slant Magazine gave the film zero stars. He criticized the film's premise as well as its lack of historical accuracy and realism. He also criticized the use of anti-Semitic canards and stereotypes. If you don't know what a canard is, they are unfounded rumors or false allegations that are defamatory towards Judaism as a religion or defamatory towards Jews as an ethnic group or religious group. Since at least the Middle Ages, they often form part of a broader Jewish conspiracy theory. Mike, on behalf of... um Keith uh, Ulick, can I get a fuck you? And wrote that Waititi's performance as Hitler is aiming for the great dictator, but barely hitting Ace Ventura. Wow. What the fuck is that all about? Wow. Historical accuracy and realism. Like, I don't really need to go and do any research on World War II. Um, I, I'm a lover of World War II. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You got a big boner for it. You got like a Star Wars boner for World War II. And as I was watching the movie, the historical accuracy is probably one of the better parts of the movie, considering that they were right at before the end of the war, where Germany has not yet been invaded. And everything is kind of hunky dory. <laughs> we're going to burn the house down and blame it on Winston Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and fuck off, Hitler. <laughs> God damn it. And you have you you have all of this information. Look, this is based on a book that Jill had already spoken about. Yeah, Caging Skies. And this this book, Caging Skies, while it may play with some historical accuracy, like I said, I don't need to go into the historical accuracy of of, of World War Two. It's like the boy in the white pajamas. That's not a real story. It's it's just an actual. It's just it's just um, a fiction. This is a story that's placed in Germany at the time of World War Two. It's not a real. It's not a real fucking event. Did I say white pajamas or striped pajamas? You said white pajamas. Okay, sorry. The boy in the striped pajamas. And that's 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 what's great about this movie. It doesn't have to be historically accurate. Yeah. They were arming children to continue the fight because they were out of they were out of gas. They were out of money. Yeah. The inflation rate for their money was so high that people were wheelbar- were taking wheelbarrows of money. To buy bread. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And on, on top of that, when you are using children to fight your battles for you- That's the lowest you, of the fucking low. Yeah. And, and you th- when you throw all of this together in the end, at the end of the days for Germany, and Hitler's about to kill himself because he- He's literally fucked the economy. Yeah. And then you put this scenario in with it where you have a child that doesn't see the horrors of what's going on around the world. Until they literally smack him in the face. Yes. You don't need historical accuracy. Yeah. No, it's close enough, dude. In realism. Yeah. Oh, the, the hanging of his mother wasn't realistic enough. Yeah. Or the other people that were the, the I don't know if you want to call them Jews. I don't know if they were Jews, but or I do. Revolutionaries. Or revolutionaries. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, the underground or whatever they were. Yeah. Little White Lies, Hannah Woodhead called the film unfunny, saying a more fitting tagline might be an anti-humor satire, given how woefully unfunny it is, and also criticized the film for its portrayal of Nazis, writing that Jojo Rabbit feels oddly impartial, keen to note that actually there were some nice Nazis too. That's not really something we need to hear in 2019, with white nationalism back in vogue and on the march across much of Western civilization. Shut the fuck up. Someone You're like- equating what's going on today 
to what happened in Germany and a fantasy film. Go away, Hannah Woodhead. Oh, she is a Woodhead, huh? Apparently. Blockhead. <laughs> I don't give a shit. All right. So, you know what? Fuck these people. Don't let them bring it down. I, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not know, bringing it down. Yeah. I'm just calling out their bullshit. Yeah. That we get something like this from Hannah Woodhead that criticized the film for its portrayal of Nazis because there were some nice Nazis too, I guess. But that's not really something we need to hear. It's a movie about people that were living at a time where it, uh, apparently they don't understand culture. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit if they were Nazis or not? Like, they started fucking World War One. Germany started World War One. Yeah. We don't talk shit about the Germans that started World War One. Yeah. We don't call them fucking Gestapo-loving bootlickers. Because they didn't have a swastika on their arm. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I know. And symbolism matters, too. Yeah. So we go after the people that have uh, culturally appropriated Egyptian symbology. Isn't it Tibetan? It's in, no, it's Egyptian. Tibetan. Isn't the swastika a Tibetan peace charm? I believe that the swastika is, a, is Egyptian, and I don't know if it's a peace charm, but it's not Tibetan. It's Egyptian. Same with the, uh, the eagle crest mm -hmm. is Egyptian. Most of that is Egyptian. Ancient Egypt. Sumerian or whatever the shit is. Mm -hmm. But it comes from the Middle East. And it may be, there may be partial Tibetan. Yeah. Tibet probably did use the swastika at one point, but a lot of cultures use the swastika. Yeah. It doesn't really, but that's not the point. My point is, is that if you are going to go after this movie for its portrayal of Nazis as funny or as endearing or as caring, well, most of them were fucking human beings. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. All of them were human beings. That's the, it's complicated part about being a human is that you're, most people aren't just fully bad or fully good. There's that fucking gray area that most people are in. Yeah. Count, count the amount of people that were in the army in Germany during World War II. Yeah. And how many made the fucking headlines? Oh, let me see. Goebbels, Goering, yeah. Hitler, uh, the, the tribunal, the, the, the ones that got caught and had to go to uh, Nuremberg trials. Yeah. Operation Paperclip, all that stuff too. The, the entire idea behind it is, is that the people that made the headlines are less than 1%, less than one half of 1% yeah. of the people that were in the army. <clears throat> and those are the ones that we base this entire system on for being bad. Yeah. That's that's a that's akin to calling saying the same shit about FDR or any of the presidents that were you know FDR and any of the presidents that were after him during World War II that he is a jackbooted thug for conscripting all these men to go into the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines to fight a war. Do you have Do you have any German in you? Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, I have German in me, so apparently I'm partially responsible. Yeah, for you're World an War unfunny II. Nazi, unfunny, unf un unfunny, unfriendly <laughs> Nazi. Yeah. So, we, so we we don't need to hear from you because it's 2019, Joe. Yeah. And with white nationalism back in vogue, <laughs> it's marching across this great land of ours and taking everybody by storm. That's what I infer from what she's reading. Do people like that not realize? Of course, this is rhetorical. She's a fucking liberal scumbag. Do they not realize that they're actually 
pushing people in that direction. And, and some, it, some people are getting pushed in that direction because of these stupid comments and idealisms. <clears throat> people get pushed in directions for all sorts of things. But yeah, I mean, you know, people are, people are influenced by what's going on. Yeah. And by the, they're mostly influenced by the, their friends and relatives. So whatever their friends and relatives are, are mainly thinking, that's how they think. You know, I don't recall anyone giving Mel Brooks any shit for Hitler on ice. I don't know. Jews in space. Yeah. Jews in space. Hitler on ice. History of the world. Black blazing saddles. Is, is that a nigger on horse? <laughs> I don't think the yeah. sheriff's near. <laughs> what do you say? I think you said the sheriff's near. No good. The sheriff's near. Oh, he's close. <laughs> so, excuse me while I whip this out. Yeah. You know. <gasps> yeah, exactly. So, I, I, you know what? It's just up yours. Apparently, you can make fun of Nazis in the seventies, but you cannot make fun of them today. You can't make fun of anybody today. It's it's except white people. You can make fun of white people. No, you can't even do that. White men. No, nope. you can make fun of white men. Can't even do that. You're not allowed to. But you can. What you can do is you cannot. You don't have to go to the police. Yeah. If you don't have, if you've been raped, um, and and forced to live, uh, in 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 a household where you are basically a prisoner and have freedom to do whatever you want, including, you know, go out and, and visit with people and stuff like that. But you're still a prisoner in the home. And then you can write a thesis online uh, decrying how much of a victim you are because of all these people that have held you back yeah. and treated you like shit and be accessory to a suicide and still get money for free and jobs because you're a social justice warrior. Are you bleeding our movie review into an episode of Compelled? No, but I did. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that... Segway! I'm just pointing out that if you're one of those types of people that do that, yeah. if you're one of those types of people that do that, then, you know, all of these yeah. little things fit together. I like how... Um, Oh, God, I know this should be on Compelled, but I just want to make this quick comment while I think about it. I like how this, um, this, uh, I don't know, this part of the decades version of uh, Fucker Right in the Pussy is now <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> or Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. Uh, just people just throwing it in the middle of a conversation when they're on camera. It's hilarious. It's Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah, I find that goddamn funny. So anyway, um... Yeah, we both love this movie. One of the best films of the year. Uh, don't believe the uh, the unhype from the uh, from the haters. This is a really good film, and if they don't get it, that's their problem. They just don't get it, and they're for, they're eggshell people. They're you know uh, you know what I am not going to walk on eggshells with this shit. I saw a completely different film. You saw a completely different film. And anyone who listens to our show is probably going to also see a different film than those critics saw. So, all right. That's all I got for Jojo Rabbit, man. Loved it. Go, go see this movie. Oh, yeah. Go see it, man. This, this is this is a classic already, you know, to me. It, it, I wouldn't say it's a classic for me, but uh, I will say that um, I need to go see Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. And I don't know what next goal wins, but... Uh, that uh, that is a um, that is a movie made out of a 2014 um, documentary that's about um, it's got Michael Fassbender and I think Elizabeth Moss in it. Um, he's filming Will that. You fucking stop with the ums. If you go back to the review I did, I barely did any ums. I was constantly don't fucking look at me like that. I was constantly mindful of it. I you're giving me a goddamn complex to the whole thing. <laughs>
I don't know. Fucking throw water in your face. You shut up. All right. So yeah, he's. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I, I hunt for don't, hunt for I don't the care. hunt for the Wooler people is available on Hulu. Um, I just got one of my coworkers to watch it, and he loved it because I got him onto Taika Waititi. So um, yeah. Anyway, we good? Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, see Kyle. <laughs> I'm kidding. See you next time. <laughs>